Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Not Gonna Lie podcast presented by Student Union Sports. Week four of the NFL season has come and gone, uh, and it was a great one. Uh, but what's even greater is getting to talk about it after the fact we've got the other half of the campus cover, my now favorite half of the campus cover, uh, and Patty Norton to come on and talk, uh, do a little recap of the week, and then I go through my power rankings a uh, quarter of the way through the season, see how things look. Um, and also, I apologize in advance for the audio. I don't think I was connected to my microphone when we did it through Zoom. Luckily, Patty brought his mic, so there was one professional in the bunch, um, but I sound like I'm calling through the phone. Uh, so apologize in advance for that, but great episode. Uh, we're going to split in halves. So the first half of our power rank is going to be done tonight or whenever you're listening. And then the second half will be out uh, th- during episode two of the week on Wednesday. So here we go. My interview with Patty Norton. We now welcome on a special guest. We had one half of the campus cover on a couple weeks ago, and I'm welcome or I'm glad to announce and welcome on the second half of the campus cover. It's Patty Norton. Better Patty, half. thank you for coming on. Better, yeah. better half. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think Cody listens to the show. So yeah, we can say that. Yeah. I think we're in the clear that. on that one. So he, <laughs> uh, in fact, he tells me in his, uh, in private that he goes out of his way to not listen to this. Oh, okay. Good, yeah, good, good. Not, so yeah, yeah. not going to lie. He doesn't listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Objectively. Now you're my, my favorite sure, uh, yeah. member of the, of the campus cover, but mm-hmm. uh, we're recording this 8 44 PM Pacific time right after Sunday night football. Uh, well, first off, let's let's get the the first part out of the way. I narrowly missed on the seven team parlay. Didn't put a lot of money on it, but it was seven teams all money line um, that almost came through for me. And the 49ers were that last leg. So uh, I, I had the Eagles. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I I hedged, so it was okay. Like I, I made, I still made money either way. But um, th- I mean that you know just have to mention that right off the bat. But the key storyline, the one that I was most interested in, um, was that QB change that I want to talk about. Um, this is, I guess, yeah. a year of, of weird quarterback changes. So Nick Mullins had just thrown a pick six that, I mean, I don't know who he was throwing it to. And I think it was Al Michaels or Chris Collinsworth was kind of saying like, well, you know, you guys can see the whole field, but you don't know what he's seeing. I mean, if we put the camera at his view, it's still a bad throw. It's still a terrible the- throw. That gets you benched on Thanksgiving Day with your friends, let alone in an NFL game. That was that was a bad pass, and I speak from experience when I say that too. So, Ooh. <laughs> well, and and that's the thing is, I, I mean, the only logical thing is maybe Nick Mullins forgot like what team he was on, because the the linebacker yeah. that was sitting on it was just wait like it, it was, was almost like the ball. Yeah, was yeah it, it was him. it was a perfect dump off. It was a it, yeah great crossing route that just didn't work out for him in the end because there was no one really in the vicinity of it. Uh, yeah. I, I thought it was tipped when I saw the replay. And then when mm-hmm. they show the actual slow-mo, it wasn't. So uh, just yeah, yeah. Uh, shocking throw. Yeah. And, and I was confused, but like, obviously it seemed to have worked out. Bethard played really well down the stretch mm-hmm. and, and got them on a, a nice solid drive um, to, to be put in a position to win the game. Um, I mean, people were talking about, you know, now there's not going to be a quarterback controversy between Jimmy G and Nick Mullins. Is there now a quarterback controversy C.J. with C.J. Beathard and Garoppolo? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just substitute one for the other. Yeah, uh, um, 
yeah when the when the stat popped up it, it was something like Beathard was like 14 of 17 in the final stretch for 100 and something yards and he didn't really play a lot of football in this game either mm-hmm. uh, so certainly makes you think CJ Beathard was probably the better choice from the start of this game but uh, you know circumstances circumstances change in Culver. well yeah and if Kittle hangs on to that two-point conversion they're in field goal range and they kick yeah. it and they probably go to overtime. That's a good point. That's a good point. I kind of had forgotten about the drop two point conversion and cause they did really march down the field mm. and then with the officials just kind of falling over. <laughs> that, was... That, that was, that was so weird. Like I've never seen, seen something like that. Yeah. Um, it, it was, I mean, there was you... the discussion of does the spike count? Like what, what do you do here? Mm. <laughs> it depended on when it, it was dependent on when they noticed the ref falling down and it's like regardless the ref fell down you have to stop the play yeah or you have to like before it starts yeah and and that's not that that was like the second like weird ref thing that we had because when they overturned the touchdown call like Vinovich was like what they said he was on like the 50 yard line he had to come all the way back over so that gave the 49ers time to set up and score before the two-minute warning yeah all around like just unique situations down the stretch but uh that's the tough thing with these two teams is they're so they've been dealing with so many injuries uh, and obviously the talents there um, Carson Wentz has, has struggled to really get going, but you know, you could say that he's missing all of his really good receivers. Like who was, what was the guy that, that caught the game winning touchdown? It was like a, he was a, um, was uh, like a, they signed him from waivers this past week, right. Or something like that. Like I, I heard a story, I think it was, I don't know who it was from, but, um, the Eagles practice with one healthy wide receiver on their 53 man roster on like Thursday. So yeah. This is really like uh, similar to last year, just the hodgepodge of like ball catchers that they have. Yeah. Um, and, and you mentioned it earlier when you said Carson Wentz has struggled to, you know, really get going. There were flashes tonight where he was running the offense efficiently and there were things that he was doing very well. And then there are also things that are like, Oh, there's Carson Wentz. I'm like, being Carson Wentz and the reason why Eagles fans are uh, not or are not really giving him a very much longer leash than the one that he's been given because uh, they will remind you that he was not the starting quarterback when they won the Super Bowl. He was for the first 14 weeks of the season. He did not finish that year out. He did not play in the playoffs. He has not been their playoff quarterback almost yet. Uh, yeah, even even the year after that, too. He, yeah. when they went to the playoffs. He wasn't the starting quarterback down the stretch that got him there. Yeah, Nick Foles beat the Bears at Soldier Field. That was fun. So, <laughs> only if he could win at Soldier Field again, that'd be fun. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's. Uh, that's a good transition point. Let's talk there. Colts Bears today. Um, obviously, our two teams squaring off. Yeah. It was a. It was a. It was a defensive battle, no doubt about it. Nick Foles did not look like the Nick Foles in the fourth quarter of last week. Um, but obviously he's playing a completely different defense. Like the yeah, that's Atlanta the Falcons have notoriously just put together a tough defense, not tough in a good way for the last, um, the last few games here. And, and you, you really don't know what to, to make of it. Um, I would have liked to see Nick Foles uh, move the ball down the field further. Cause that was kind of the big thing that really sparked that Falcons comeback. Um, but there wasn't a whole lot of it. I don't know if it, it may have just been the Colts blitz. Um, and getting the pressure on him, but he he seems hesitant to really want to launch a couple down the field. Well, and it was the 
there, there was a lot of blame to go around and someone had a good point on Twitter and I forget who it was, but they, they mentioned the fact that uh, Matt Nagy seemingly does his best offensive play calling when his back is against the wall. And when it, Oh, it's the fourth quarter and you're down. And that's what we've seen this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and even against the giants when they were up by 14, then it was just take your foot off the pedal. And every team, every fan in the NFL of a team is going to tell you, Oh, we took our foot off the pedal. You, you, you see it happen with the Chicago Bears. Um, however, it's just that they are not putting the pedal to the metal on the for the first few quarters of it, and then in the fourth, it's full steam ahead. Let's go for it. There was a there was an interception that was off of a tipped pass uh, with I think ten minutes left in the fourth quarter, um, and then there's the, and then they do drive down the field. Sure enough, the Colts are essentially in prevent at that point that brings Chicago within I think eight Yeah, eight. Uh, mm-hmm. and it was just like well this was a different offense even though that they had thrown the interception two drives previous they drove down the field they were at the 25 yard line they, they were moving the ball um, and that's kind of where a lot of frustration stems from in terms of you wish that you could see them put together a full game of that for mm. once, just we haven't seen it in, we really haven't seen it since 2018. Yeah. And I think to be honest with you, there's, there's a little bit on both sides. I mean, me being a Colts fan uh, conversion wise on third down and especially in the red zone, we've been settling for far too many field goals so far this season. Yeah, And we had, we had four in this game alone. Um, where Rodrigo Blankenship's kicking these chip shot field goals that could be touchdowns, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he had a 21 yard field goal or 31 yard field goal that it was like, well, you're, mm-hmm. you're right there. Yeah. And, and stacked on top of that. I mean, there were a couple of times where the Colts really just got lucky. The interception in the end zone with the, the left foot out of bounds, Khalil Mack just dropped an interception right through his hand. Oh, yeah. And both of those turnovers, one of them would have prevented, uh, a cold score or what would have been a field goal. And then the other one would have set the, the bears up in the red zone uh, and gotten them going. So it was like th- this game, even though we won, and even though, like you said, it was like a, there was a touchdown late that pushed it to eight points. It could have been a lot closer than, than yeah. really than it was. Um, uh, yeah. The, the things that we see, you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but I, like, so you as the Colts fan and then me as the Bears fan, we both found this game very frustrating because it, it seemed like we needed – like both of our teams needed to take that next step. Mm-hmm. And while the Colts did win and won semi-convincingly in terms of the Bears were never really in this game after the first half, um, just the fact that we needed to take those steps and that we couldn't. Uh, you you bring up the good point of these chip shot or yeah the chip shot field goals uh, for the Colts. Matt Nagy said on Monday in his press conference, "We can't settle for field goals anymore. We can't settle for field goals." And we also kicked a very short field goal in the first quarter to make it seven to three. And I get it, but at some point the math is going to say, and it has said, and I remember that the Colts were like one of the first teams to kind of go into this analytics department of going for it on fourth down a lot. And Frank Reich was like spearheading that development kind of. Um, 
but we, we, this was not an aggressive ball game whatsoever. The Bears punted it from the Indianapolis 40 in the first quarter. Fourth and seven from the Indianapolis 40. Why are you not throwing the ball? Yeah. It, yeah, it, uh, it was very frustrating because it felt like for all the talk on Monday of we can't fall into these same habits and mistakes – they fell into the same habits and mistakes. So. Yeah, yeah, and it, I mean, both teams are sitting at three and one. Yeah, um, and and like there are a lot of positives with it. I think both sure. teams and both teams may even be in the same boat. Like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you've got two teams with a really talented defense, mm-hmm. uh, a running back that they seem unwilling to give the ball to on a regular basis, um, and then a quarterback who uh, just really it, like is is settling for a lot of these short passes and not really opening up like it's yeah they're incredibly incredibly like Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins combined for 18 carries Jonathan Taylor had 17 the two of those the two of those guys averaged under two yards a carry Jonathan Taylor's averaging four like I understand you don't want to give him the ball 30 times a game but sure you don't want to yeah but why not go go to him a little bit more and even here Dave Montgomery I mean he had a, a a little bit of a rougher game but only had 10 carries you know they, they threw him the ball was it yeah three times did three catches uh, and 10 carries but he's been a, a guy that people have been talking about for like training camp as of last year like he was one of the first like w- one of those like breakout rookies um that, that they've been talking about but he just they wouldn't give him the ball enough I feel like to let him get going he might have been the highest picked uh running back in the draft two years ago and it was mm-hmm. sure enough it was the third round but it, it was still a big deal for yeah. a team that had just traded away uh, Jordan Howard and was relying on a backfield of Jordan Howard, Mike Davis, who I don't ever think got in more than three carries with the Bears, uh, and Tariq Cohen. And then fast forward to this year, and we've resulted or we've gone from that backfield to we're going to turn Cordero Patterson into a running back. I'm not saying that the experiment has failed because there are runs that Cordero Patterson breaks out that it's hey, that's worth having him in the backfield for. But it's not a split carry role. Mm. Um, David Montgomery is capable of being your three down back. Jonathan Taylor is more than capable of being Indianapolis's three down back. I get if they're splitting the carries between Marlon Mack and Hines and Taylor, but Mack isn't there. You have to change your game plan. You have to change your playbook to adapt to the circumstances and that we haven't really seen or that at least I didn't see with uh, Indianapolis today. And I sure have not seen it with the bears uh, through four weeks. Yeah. And, and the, I feel like the really, the true test of the Colts haven't passed yet is their ability to play from behind. I mean, Vikings and jets defense carried them there. It was a very convincing win. And even, you know, in a similar situation with the bears, like they had the lead for most of the game, they're really just trying to, to, to burn clock. But what's concerning me is if we get down a touchdown on the team, can we trust Phillip Rivers to drive down the field and not turn the ball over? Um, and that's something that, um, you know, we, we may see over the next few weeks. I, honestly, the Colts schedule is very favorable over these next three weeks. We go Bengal or we go Browns, Bengals, Lions. Those are three winnable games. You win those, you're six and one going up against the Ravens. And then that's, you know, that's your real true test, but that's six and two, but yeah, no, it's see, it all works. No. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. But, but, you know, it, it, I would like to see some sort of, you know, blowout wins are fun, but they don't really teach you a lot about 
like the the toughness, the mental toughness yeah, the of your team, and that's yeah. exactly yeah, and that's yeah. that's really what I am looking for. Um, but speaking of the Browns, Browns Cowboys, uh, I mean this this was it. Uh, unfortunately, Nick Chubb went down with an injury, but this is what the Browns fans, uh, me, what I envisioned the Browns would be when Stefanski came to take over. Yeah. 300 yards rushing on like eight, eight a carry. And sure, you take away Odell's like 55-yard end, end around. That's still 250 yards on probably five or six yards a carry. Um, it, was, it was an absolute beatdown. Uh, the, the Cowboys came back towards the end. But for the most part, it was uh, this game was over and it was dominated on the ground. Like it, it, felt, it felt like a college football game. With yeah, the way that they were just breaking it was, it was up a big, big run. It was Wisconsin versus Illinois in this game. Yeah. is really who it was. Yeah, yeah, and, and and it was they were doing it with. I mean, let's let's look. four guys. Four guys had over forty yards on the ground. So it was just like whoever they threw at him was was breaking through. And the the guy who led what is it? Who is it? Dearness Johnson was the guy that led the team in rushing today. Thirteen carries for ninety five yards. So they're Did really just throwing out whoever they want sure. and they're getting and they're breaking out big runs. Yeah. I think something that I, that I appreciated from Stefanski's play calling today too, was the fact that he can get creative and he can throw in these trick plays, the end around with Odell and then the quarterback or the uh, Jarvis Landry heave, the absolute strike, the piss yeah, missile beautiful. right to Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> um you can throw in those plays when you have 300 yards on the ground. You can, you can absolutely make those effective uh, or you can make those effective. Really. That's what it comes down to. Uh, and that's something that I think that's what the Browns thought they were getting in Freddie kitchens last year. And it was yeah. not even close. Um, mm-hmm. And, and someone had the good point and it might've been you, but it was someone with the site that said the Browns don't need to pass it to be good as much as they think that they have to pass the ball to be good. They, they have so much capability in terms of run blocking and then their actual rushing attack. They have great running backs. Um, it stings with Chubb going down, but still they do. Um, yeah. As you mentioned, who Dearness? Dearness Johnson. Yeah. Dearness he's waiting Johnson. in the wings. They, I yeah. mean, they're obviously going to be okay. Yeah. Dearness Johnson's going to be the hottest name at the trade deadline. So uh, pick them up on waivers right now. Yeah, you. pick them up on waivers Tuesday morning. I have, a, I have a league that doesn't do waivers, so I honestly may just I may go right now and and put them on my team if I have space. I don't know if I have an actual spot for them, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's so interesting, and and you look at the way that that Stefanski was running in offense in Minnesota last year. I mean, this has to be like his absolute dream job. Like I remember the first week one last season when. Uh, they gave the ball to Dalvin Cook like 25 times or something like that. Kirk Cousins threw 10 passes and they yeah. won. And they're like, oh, this is an effective way. Well, I mean, now with the Brown, this Browns team, this is very effective. Like, and this is, this is what I think we expected, like you said, last year with Freddie Kitchens. We didn't get that. But now we're coming into this point, And, I mean, it sucks that Chubb is out the game that they really get it together. No kidding. But yeah. but I, I love the way – because, I mean, you think about it. If you're, they're giving them the ball this much, it would be hard to get uh, Jarvis Landry and OBJ going. But, like, Stefanski is figuring out a way to get those guys involved too and, and, and keeping that same philosophy of just putting it on the ground and, and pounding it in. But switching sides here, Cowboys, 
Uh, I mean, this is disappointing. My Cowboys. Who do you think I am? No, 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 no. I didn't oh. say no. I didn't say that. I didn't say you're oh. Cowboys. Oh. No, no, no. No, switching over to the Cowboys. Oh. Um, I don't know what's going on. Like this is literally the 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 Cowboys thought they were getting away from Jason Garrett when they signed Mike McCarthy, but it's really it's just the reincarnation. Same. Yeah, same baby, situation. come back. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, if Jason Garrett was going to be 8-8 eight and eight this year, bring him back because that would be enough to win the NFC East. And instead, you have Mike McCarthy who's probably going to go 6-10. and 10. They've played a lot of tough competition. People aren't giving the Browns credit, and the Browns, meanwhile, are 3-1 and one for the first yeah. time in a long, long time. Yeah, I heard Baker was 7 years old the last time they were 3-1. and one. Baker was 7 years old. Yeah, okay. So, a long, long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the Cowboys haven't been playing nobodies. Like, if they were one and – what are they, one and three? One and three, yeah. If they were one and three with the schedule that the Bears had of the uh, – who did they play? Week one. Uh, the Lions, the Giants, the Falcons, and then they lose to the Colts or something, and they're one and three with that. Then it's more concerning. I think one and three with what they've been up against is not necessarily push the panic button, you know – Bring yeah, everybody, and, but and I, they're I'm, not good. But. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying too. Is like they they are playing against. I mean, you can make the case for three out of these four teams going to the playoffs. I'm going to remove the they're only win the Falcons from that from that conversation. But uh, for me, it's not just the fact that they haven't won, but it's it's how they've lost. You know, mm-hmm. even going with that Falcons game. I mean, they scored 30 points in the second half, which is great. But the same thing with with your Bears. Why not do it earlier? Why not get going no and play a full, full uh, like full four quarters? Why why does Dak Prescott have to throw fifty eight times today, and Zeke only get the ball twelve times? You know, and the Cowboys were up fourteen to seven in this game. Like they were, they had the lead in in the first quarter. It may have been like the second and third where where they just let it go. But um, yeah, the the Browns in the second and third quarter outscored the Cowboys thirty four to nothing. 34? What did you say? 24? 34. 34 to nothing. 24 oh points in the second quarter alone. Like yeah, you're, 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 gonna, you're not going to win a lot of football games doing that. right? No. And, and You're not going to win a lot of football games giving up 34 points in a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, um, which, by the way, they've done three times already. Yeah, their defense is a huge concern. Obviously, they're banged up, and I get that. But they are about as uncompetitive as uncompetitive could be yeah. in terms of defenses in the league. Uh, I know that like, Oh, nobody cares about your fantasy team. I dropped them week one. Yeah. yeah. Cause no, I, I, I thought I, I bought into the Dallas hype and maybe you did too. But when we made our spreadsheets on picking the games and whatever, I think I had mm-hmm. Dallas like 13 and three and winning the NFC. They yeah. already have three losses and it's week four. Yeah. I had them, I had them 10 and six. So I, but still winning the NFC East. So it was like, I, I was with you there, but I just knew that, I mean, I remember last year I went in with that same mindset. I think I had them going 11 and five, 12 and four. I was like, this team is too talented. They have so much talent, but that's not the issue. It's putting it together and making those pieces work. Uh, and, and how that's going to happen. I have no idea. I really, I really don't know. Um, yeah. I, I'm one. just, yeah. It, defensively it's a mess. And like, like you said, you're not going to win that many games when you when you allow that many points uh, it's it's simply impossible um so I, I don't really have 
a bunch of answers for them other than the fact that they really have played three really good teams. Yeah. Like three teams that are, are, are going to be in the playoff conversation pretty much the whole season. Um, and, and I'm happy for the Bears or for the Browns that they have entered that category of like they yeah. will be in the playoff conversation. Um, yeah, so. especially with that expanded team. What Cody and I have talked about a lot and what we when we broke down each division by division, I think that we project I think that we projected probably too many teams to make the playoffs than can actually make the playoffs because we were like expanded playoffs and we we just kind of took that to be like well now there will be seven extra teams in the playoffs no there's just going to be two uh one in each conference but it does kind of open up that possibility of you're probably going to see three teams from a con or from a division in a in a in the playoffs you're probably and that very well could be the Ravens, Steelers, and Browns. So I think also, I mean, if we're if we're talking about likelihood, it probably could be the the Niners, Seahawks, Rams, and and Cardinals too. You could see all. You could see that entire division in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, very very easily. Yeah. Okay. So so ending the show here, I sent you over my my list. So I Love made a, a power rankings at the beginning of the season. And I think this is important to distinguish because a power ranking can mean a lot of different things. So this is through four games, how I see the rest of the season panning out. So how you see the like, rest of the season going. Okay. Yes. This isn't like current where they're at now, but it's based on the information I've been given what I've watched from the games. This is how I think the final league standings is going to look. And I think I'm going to, I'm going to update it every, I'm going to do quarterly. I'm going to do every four weeks. I'll, I'll update it and see kind of where where i'm at there but i'm going to go four four teams at a time with you i'm just going to read them out um and then and then we'll discuss it here to to close out the show so first four the bottom four i should say um and i think i think we might be in the same boat on this one so jets giants the washington football team and the jacksonville jaguars yeah i there's i see nothing wrong with that i i and obviously you don't because you're the one who ranked them uh how crappy would it be to be a new york football fan (laughs) Awful, terrible. Like, yeah, and, and here's, here's the thing, too, with this whole Jets thing, and they're talking about, like, oh, Sam Darnold. Like, I love Sam Darnold. I watched him play against the Colts. I watched him play on Thursday night. He has so much talent, so much, like, just fluid movement in the pocket, uh, and he's got, like, that internal clock. He knows when to go. And I, I tweeted out a couple of days during the Thursday night football game that Sam Darnold's probably broken out of 15 sacks this season where guys are just coming at him and yeah. he just shifts, shifts right by him. But if you, want to, if you want to move on from Sam Darnold, which I think would be a huge mistake, but you bring a guy like Trevor Lawrence in with that offensive line, speaking from experience, it doesn't matter how good that quarterback is. If you don't have an offensive line ready to receive him, bad things are going to happen. With Andrew Luck and the Colts, it was him retiring early. And before that, missing a full season uh, with a torn labrum. So if the, if the Jets' whole thing is, is, is just that, oh, Trevor Lawrence is going to save us, they're going to be in for a huge huge disappointment and and they're going to have maybe the first pick in the draft and I don't know how you pass up a quarterback that can change your franchise when the fan base is clamoring for that but at this point what's the like what is the point of drafting a quarterback when you're not going to luck yourself into five offensive linemen in the offseason yeah this is not working Adam Gase is not the guy to coach this team. He is not the guy to call the plays on offense. And you're just kind of letting that happen. And by letting that happen, you are, you are telling your team, you are telling your young quarterback, 
sorry, nothing that we can do about it. So where's the change going to be in the off season? Where, where's, mm-hmm. where, where do you find all of these players that are going to magically save your franchise and just allow you to uh, pluck a quarterback, a 21, 22 year old quarterback out of the ACC and just put him right in your roster and say, ta-da, fixed, you know, Super Bowl bound. No. Yeah. Well, and yeah. Yeah, and, and I'll give you a great example of this. We, I, I talked about it on the podcast when the Cardinals took Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the 30th ranked offensive line in football. You want to take Kyler Murray? Fine, great. Obviously, it's worked out well for them. They didn't draft an offensive lineman until the sixth round. They waited that long. So it's like if you're going to – and I, and I kind of I, I kind of coined this phrase that I like using, um, but it's like kind of it's, – it's putting a Band-Aid on a broken leg. Yeah. Like putting a quarterback in a situation – where everything else around them is terrible and expecting it to work out. And it's like, sure, like it, it, it could work out for a bit. Like it could be five games. Trevor Lawrence could win rookie of the year. Yeah. But long-term, if you don't make real steps to, to build an offensive line around him, uh, then, then you're going to be in, in trouble. He's going to be in trouble and the franchise is, is not going to be happy with the results. Yeah. Um, I, I would imagine that we'll talk about the Cardinals coming up soon. Cause that's a team that we should definitely hit on, but that that's, the ideal analogy for that. That's really spot on with what you have going on in New York. All right. So next four, uh, we'll keep it moving here. Bengals, Lions, Dolphins, and Falcons. Okay. Uh, the, the Lions are a team that has impressed me a little bit, not enough to really move them up, but they were, I think I had them 31st uh, at the beginning of my, my opening ranking. So they're moving up a little bit, but um, I mean, I would just like to see more. You know, they, they played the Saints really close today, but um, they're just lacking a certain, like, edge. And, and I don't know what that is exactly. I went into it with the season uh, ranking them 31st because I didn't know what to expect out of Matthew Stafford. I think he's done well enough, but there's still – I mean, there's still issues with the team. There's still just so many holes that they're missing. Um, yeah, I, I, gen- I generally agree with that. They – they definitely are an incomplete team. I, I'm not in love with Matt Patricia. You might disagree with that. No, I'm with uh, you. I'm with you. Yeah. It, uh, he, he's not cut out for it, as harsh as that sounds. He does poorly with the media. He does not necessarily give off like this great confidence that, no, this guy's an NFL head coach. It's just he, – he, like he, he, uh, he, he is the – perfect coordinator doesn't have to be interviewed can just coach his team whatever but you pluck him away from bill belichick make him the head coach and put him in front of a podium and the whole world is going to turn against you because you're not bill belichick as much as you try and act like it um and that's not to be like a snooty like oh media first whatever yeah yeah, yeah. who cares yeah. Uh, but he, he just, he, he never really gives off, he never gives off the confidence of, uh, I'm cut out for this while also the results on the field sit very much say he's definitely not cut out for this. Mm-hmm. Something like Jim Caldwell and, uh, Jim Schwartz and Rod Marinelli, all of their, like in their first 36 games with the lions, they were all almost 10 and 26 in their first 36 games. And Jim Caldwell is actually like 16 and 
uh, what would be the math there? 16 and 20. So he, he had the best record of anybody there. Matt Patricia was like 924 or 926 and one. Mm-hmm. It was like, so yeah. he is, he's literally worse than what they have. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very, very anti Matt Patricia. I think mm-hmm. Matt Stafford is very capable at, uh, doing good things, but mm-hmm. you never really can tell without the pieces around him. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot there's a lot of work there in Detroit that's for sure. Yeah, and and just touching on uh the the few of these teams here, obviously we talked about the Falcons. They really play a Big 12 style of defense um which keeps them from winning games. The Dolphins, however, I mean, I have them at 26. I think that's where I had them before, but they're really impressing me watching these games and they're really going tit for tat like the Seahawks, they were in this game down the stretch. Um mm-hmm. and obviously you can't you can't physically uh, win a game uh, like I was talking about with the Colts kicking four to five field goals like they did to start I think they had their first five scores were field goals like that uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna win games in the NFL especially not against um the the Seattle Seahawks by kicking five field goals um but they've impressed me and the Bengals um I think they're in the same boat as like what we talked about with like the Jets and Kyler Murray and the Cardinals where it's like they need to work on this offensive line a little bit more their weapons look decent i like i mean t higgins is really yeah kind of busted out a little bit as as one of joe burrow's favorite targets and they got their first win today but um i mean they're they're like joe burrow is not going to be and i don't think he ever should have expected to be a a guy like andrew luck who first year is going to take a terrible team and go 11 and 5 and go to the playoffs like that it it wasn't a realistic expectation for him no um that uh the offensive line Saw a little bit of improvement in the offseason, but not really a lot. They 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 shouldn't no one no one is expecting Joe Burrow to pull off a miracle here. They are going to probably get another close to top pick. That's going to help Joe Burrow in some fashion of the game. Whether yeah. it's a defensive star to help, you know, take some pressure off of Joe Burrow or an offensive lineman or some sort of you know, skill player, whatever it is. Um, but to be a Bengals fan right now, the hope that you have right now is Zach Taylor seems to be a decent head coach, seems to get his guys to buy in. Um, and you have your quarterback of the future. Mm-hmm. Everything that Joe Burrow has shown you is he's the guy. Like he is, he's, his arm is going to fall off if he keeps throwing 70 passes a game, but he, he is most certainly the guy in Cincinnati. Uh, for the Dolphins, kind of jumping back to what I was saying about the Lions, uh, Brian Flores is the polar opposite of a coach who came from the coaching tree of Bill yeah. Belichick. He is yeah. a uh, – I, I liken him to the style of John Fox where the roster potential – excuse me, the roster just isn't there. The roster potential is greater in Miami than it was in Chicago when John Fox was here. Um, But Brian Flores has done such a good job of like bringing that locker room together and they fight and fight and fight until the final whistle where they are going to, they're going to be blowouts, but for the most part, they're going to be in every game that they play Mm in. Um, they're not going to pull it out because that's at least mentally. Talent. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're not going, they're not going to pull it out because the talent isn't there or something like that. But 
you can tell that these guys are are actively fighting to imp- to impress themselves, make themselves look good, and make the team look good. Uh, right. And so that's, I suppose, what Do- what Dolphins fans should take sol- or should yeah take solace in is that you have a coach who these guys love. You can kind of tell these guys genuinely are playing for him, uh, which is you know appreciative when you are a bottom tier team. Yeah, and and adding on top of that, they'll probably get a top tier pick for themselves, and they'll also get a really good pick from the Texans, who are number twenty four. So I'll read the next four: Texans, Panthers, Chargers, Raiders. Uh, the, the Texans. I don't think Bill O'Brien makes it through this season, and I understand they played a lot of really good teams to start the season. Like you went up against um, the whether the Chiefs, the Ravens. Uh, who is the Steelers. third team they played? The Steelers and, and then the Vikings. Um, those are four really talented teams, four teams that were 500 or better last season. And, I mean, obviously the Vikings haven't really played to expectations, but they're still a pretty good football team. Um, but that being said, the, the team that has been built around Deshaun Watson is pitiful. It, I, I think it's very rare that, that – um, and we talked about this in the offseason that, like, there was one move that everyone universally was like, what is going on? Yeah. You know, and, and nothing more so than, than that David Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins swap. And in addition to that, you get a second rounder. It's like, okay, you can get a running or a, a wide receiver in the second round. There's a lot of good talent that's going to fall there. And they went and trade for Brandon Cooks. It's like, I, I don't understand. Like zero what, receptions and zero. Yeah. yeah zero yeah, receptions. Zero, yeah. And, and we knew this was going to happen. Right, like the, the most casual football fan, you could say, would you rather have David Johnson, a guy who was really good in 2018, but has mm-hmm. been injured and couldn't get going, or DeAndre Hopkins, top three wide receiver in the league, who is still in his prime? It's it's a no-brainer. Yeah, and I think DeAndre Hopkins is the highest targeted receiver in the league this year, um, like averaging something insane, like almost 20 per game that he's getting targeted at. Um, yeah, when you say that Bill O'Brien probably doesn't make it through the year, are you talking about Bill O'Brien, the general manager, Bill O'Brien, the head coach, or as now we've learned, Bill O'Brien, the offensive play caller? Because none of it makes sense. Nothing that he has done, all three should be fired. That is, yeah, yeah. The, that is the end of the story. Yeah, he, uh, it's, it's a shame because I, I've never been this huge Deshaun Watson fan, but you can definitely tell that it is – unfortunate that they have taken the weapons completely away from them because in the offs or in the playoffs last year it was like man they just need like a good running back and they'll be set they'll be fine and then it was like how about we trade instead our best wide receiver for a a washing up a washed up running back Uh, i wouldn't say that david johnson's career is like completely over but yeah it's it's on its last legs yeah yeah um and then you get that second round pick. Maybe you're thinking, well, we've cleared some cap space. Uh, you trade that second round pick for Brandon Cooks. You have not made your team better. And you have now sacrificed more money to the cap for those moves. None of it made any sense. And I don't know why that isn't like a daily talking point on like around the horn and stuff like that. Yeah. And part of the interruption. That should be something like, what the hell are the Texans doing still employing Bill O'Brien? Yeah, and, and I mean, last thing on this here, they go, they have a little bit of an easier stretch over the next few weeks, um, or over the next week. They go Jaguars, and then they go Titans, uh, Packers, 
and then they get the Jags again. The Texans are six and a half point favorites against the Jaguars this week, and I'm probably going to take the Jags money line. Like yeah. I, I legitimately believe right now, as far as the, the overall talent is built, the Jaguars are, are in a better place to be successful than the Texans, which is crazy considering the Texans were AFC South champs and made it all the way to the divisional round um, of the playoffs last year. But yeah, so the, just going up the list for the rest of these teams, um, the Panthers have impressed. I think the Cardinals um, did get a lot of, uh, a, a lot of hype um, and, and we'll see them on the list here in just a little bit. Um, so then the Cardinals losing to the Panthers wasn't a huge surprise to me. Like I never really expected the Cardinals to be um, everything that they lived up, like everything that the hype yeah. was. First two um, weeks after that, it was like Cardinals, Super Bowl bound. Mm-hmm. Now we're kind of seeing them level out. But, but there, it's something to be said with the moves they made in the offseason, losing Christian McCaffrey, that the Panthers are still competitive in these games, employing mm-hmm. Mike Davis as a starting running back. Uh, and that move for Robbie Anderson has been huge. Like yeah, He was get... always viewed as like a boomer bust guy, but Matt Rule has found a way. I don't know if it's just the connection or whatever, but Teddy Bridgewater has found a way to get Robbie Anderson involved in every single game. And it's not, he doesn't show up. He's not valuable in fantasy just because he scores a 70 yard touchdown every sixth game, but he's actually now a every, every Sunday wide receiver, which is very cool to see. Uh, And it's crazy to me how, I don't know if he's fallen out of favor or what it is, but Curtis Samuel is just not getting any looks. DJ Moore too. It's the same. Yeah. Like they're in the. I don't. It, I don't know is, what's happening. It is, it is Robbie Anderson's wide receivers room, and they're just living in it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy to me. And then the Chargers here, hand up. I had to do this for CJ Henderson. I was wrong on on Justin Herbert too. Like yeah, he no showed kidding. an incredible amount of poise. Yeah, and I don't care what Anthony Lynn says. Like you can't go back to you can't go back to Tyrod Taylor. I don't know how you possibly could. It's a terrible it's a terrible situation, but when you can go toe to toe with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, I mean this this is what you expected. The Chargers were a team that had talent coming out of their ears, but my biggest concern with them was Tyrod Taylor's not going to be a guy that's going to get you over the hump and get you into the playoffs. But Justin Herbert, like the the deep shot he had to I don't even remember the receiver's name, but as he was getting hit, he just launched it 60 yards down the field yeah. on a, on a rope. Like this is their guy and he needs to be the starting quarterback the rest of the year. And he's probably the favorite for offensive rookie of the year. Yeah. He, and I, I didn't expect that to happen. Uh, but sure enough, as long as he is their guy going forward in terms of just the season alone, he should be the favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, he throws about as pretty of a deep ball as you could in your rookie season and it's shocking because I don't think anybody really expected that from Justin Herbert coming out of college um, yeah. or at least in year one with the Chargers uh, so so that uh, they kind of fall in the same boat with the Bengals where hey n- not everything's going your way and Austin Eckler gets hurt now and that's a big blow but you found your quarterback for the future so that's got to be yeah. exciting so. yeah no that's that's a that's a unique situation for him for sure um, to, to get a guy that, I mean, a lot of people weren't huge fans of, and it was always like, a, you know, give him a year or two, let him develop. And that's what we was banking on. It's like, okay, what, what can he be in, in two or three years, let alone right now? Like, I, he's still a rookie. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I don't think, you know, I don't know if the Chargers are still going to make the playoffs based off this season, especially with Eckler going down. Yeah. But you have to feel good about the future in, mm-hmm. in these next few years. 
Um, and then the last team here, the Raiders, I think they started off strong, but I don't think they're consistent enough. And I, don't, no. and I, I would not be surprised if we see John Gruden make a move to Marcus Mariota here in the next few weeks. If, yeah, if Derek I, Carr struggles to get offense going. Uh, I hadn't really thought of that, but it's not the worst idea in the world. He's, he's a very vanilla quarterback in terms of you just kind of expect him to make the throw every once in a while and just kind of hand the ball off and let Josh Jacobs do his thing. But if Josh Jacobs isn't doing his thing, you're going to need a different playmaker. And why not give Mariota a shot? I mean, yeah, he brought and, him in for a reason. Yeah, and and it's so funny to me because, I mean, I don't know if you ever watched, like, Gruden's QB camp. Yeah. But, but he loved every quarterback out of the last five years, including Nathan Peterman. Yeah. But it seems like Derek Carr is where he draws the line. And it's so funny to me. Because, like, you won't find a coach in the NFL that loves quarterbacks as much as John Gruden does. So much that he's got, like, he has a roster of four to five quarterbacks just ready to go. But it was like he doesn't like Derek Carr. Like, I don't know what yeah. it is, but he is not a Derek Carr fan. Uh, but, yeah, so, so the Raiders, I mean, Josh Jacobs is great. I think they made a, a – like, I love their moves in, in free agency. But, I mean – I don't know. I, I feel like you can't paint the, the win over the, the Saints up to more than anything than a little bit of a fluke. No Michael Thomas. Yeah, um, no Michael Thomas opening of a new stadium, even with no fans, it was still probably an excitement factor for them. Um, yeah. I, I, and then them not getting exactly blown out by the Patriots last week. It was just kind of like, maybe that was just a bad game or something like that. Yeah. No, yeah. I, think, I think the Raiders are a – seven and nine team that mm-hmm. they're going to make some waves. Probably. I, if you have a chance to look at their schedule, I think their last five games are where they'll like make their, their bread kind of at the end of the year and be like Raiders back in the hunt. They're, they're building. They play, yeah. They're... <laughs> are you looking it up? Yeah. yeah I'm pulling up They're They're building up towards something. Yeah. So they end the season. Yeah. That's not too bad. They go Falcons, Jets, Colts, Raiders, Dolphins, Broncos. Raiders? Who? Oh, sorry. Falcons, Jets, Colts, Chargers, Dolphins, Broncos. Chargers. All right, yeah. Yeah. Um, you can go four and two in that. Yeah, you absolutely can. I mean, you can go five and one, potentially. Lose to yeah. the Colts. Or Who do they the... play second to last week of the season? Dolphins. Okay. Yeah, that is a... That's they're gonna a... Be, yeah, they're going to be on that graphic, the in-the-hunt graphic for, exactly. for a while. Yeah. Especially with the seven teams, they're going to be exactly. they're going to be the last team that's eliminated from the in the hunt graphics. Okay, so so here's what I want to do because I want to make sure that like you know people people like tune in and listen to this for sure. So I think I'm going to cut our talk about the power rankings. So I want to get through it. And I don't want to skimp on like these top sixteen teams. So I'm probably going to cut out like do it in half. So when we get to sixteen, okay. I'll leave this for the first part, and then the second half will come on Wednesday show because I do two okay. a week. So I'll put it on the so we can so we can keep going. Sorry. All right. No, 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 no. You're good. This is perfect. I, I, I'm enjoying this conversation. It's great. So next four teams: Eagles, who are in first place in the NFC East now, following their win tonight. Uh, the Broncos, the Vikings, and the Cardinals. So Eagles first. There's talent, but like we said, a lot of injuries. I mean, I think we we've kind of gone over this one um, a little bit for sure. But the, same thing with the Broncos. The Broncos were a team that I had going. 10 and six winning the wild card uh, and, and potentially making some noise in the playoffs. But now 
Drew Locke was hurt for a couple weeks. Von Miller was lost for the season. Cortland Sutton was lost for the season. Philip Lindsay's been gone since week one. Like they've been just really hit with the injury bug, much like the Eagles. Uh, and and I mean they're not really equipped to to handle it. They were a young upstart team um, who lost a lot of their dynamic playmakers, and I, I think they're struggling. Yeah, we're not going to really. It's a shame because I feel like Vic Fangio is going to be on the hot seat when this season has been a comedy of errors in terms of the amount of injuries that they've had, having to throw in Brett Rippon in a in a National League football game or in a National Football League game. Uh, it is crazy that also people were like, Brett Rippon kind of looks pretty good. I mean, he was playing the Jets. I think we can temper our expectations for Brett Rippon. It's like Nick Mullins beating the Raiders three years ago and him still being a backup that people are like, he could, you he know, compete. He yeah, he could compete with Jimmy G for that starting job. Uh, every time that Nick Mullins plays in the game, there are quarterback controversies, and then he throws that interception that we're like, all right, back down to earth. Um, it's a shame because – so Vic Fangio is probably going to be on the hot seat. Maybe he survives it, maybe he doesn't, when we really haven't seen him be able to coach his team. Mm. Like Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, uh, I name any other player on the Broncos, and I will bet you that they're hurt. No Fent is out for a few weeks going forward. Cortland Sutton, as you'd mentioned, and Drew Locke. They are falling apart. Yeah. Uh, their offensive line is not great. And, uh, yeah, there's certainly a lot of problems that need to be addressed, but how can you address it when nobody's playing for you right now? Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, I get what you're saying, but, I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I'm a little concerned that Vic Fangio is the head coach. Just in yeah. terms of, like, you, you, get, you get too caught up in, into this, like, old-school mindset um, when really, if, if they can use this – and. I mean, obviously, it's, it's unfortunate for Vic Fangio, but I think if the Broncos can use this situation to go out and get a guy, um, uh, 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 like one of those big uh, defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, yeah. Robert Sala, or Robert Sala, yeah, or or, or or go go dip into college somewhere, like get a get Lincoln Riley if they can convince him to leave. Yeah, like I think that would really help take that team to the next level because there's a lot of pieces, um, and that was the thing I was concerned about: is can Vic Fangio put it together, especially considering he is defensive minded first but there's so many offensive weapons that you're at risk of of wasting away these these potential prime years and and Vic Fangio you you said like I oh, has like this old school mentality there's nothing more old school mentality than being a coordinator for the last 20 years being a def- like a defensive quality control coach for 40 years before that and not getting your head coaching, your first head coaching job until you're 60. When the NFL has hired more 30 year olds in the last, you know, 10 year or five years than they've hired 60 year olds. That just, it was like, a, it was a surprising move for them to hire him as their head coach just because it was like, we're going to zig while the league zags. And it was yeah. like, there was no reason to. Because yeah. what you see with these offensive coaches is that it's typically working. <laughs> Uh, you like Zach Taylor and the Bengals haven't like put it all together yet, but you can see the pieces of it. You can mm-hmm. see it coming together. Yeah. Uh, with Kingsbury, um, Matt Rule, like exactly the, Matt the guys like that. Great exactly. example of that. Yeah. Um, the Sean McVay's of the league, like they're going to be successful uh, for a while. 
Uh, and sure, maybe then the breed of defensive coordinators comes back and takes over. That's just how it eventually balances out. But hiring Vic Fangio to or last year was such a mind-boggling move because mm-hmm. it was like, you need to develop your quarterback. Who are you going to bring in to do it? Vic Fangio, that's who we're going to do. That's who we're going to bring in. So. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it definitely, definitely a little bit, a little bit confusing for that one. Uh, the Vikings, I mean, honestly, Alexander Madison, for as much love as Dalvin Cook gets, Alexander Madison is very good at mm-hmm. running the football. Like, it, it, he's he's very talented. Every time he gets a chance, I'm like, wow, this guy can, like, he could get a starting job somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, and, and I and think his the, contract might be up at the end of the year, so I wouldn't be surprised if he got a starting job somewhere else. Yeah, and then it's up to the the Vikings to to kind of figure out what to, where to go from there. Um, do they get another guy in the draft or, or whatever the case may be? But I think they're I think they're going to regulate a little bit. I think they had a tough start to the season, but um, they're probably going to crawl back up to you know eight and eight, nine and seven. Um, yeah, I, I, I yeah I think that's definitely possible with them. Their defense is just so concerning. That secondary is not good, and I'm not gonna mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna sit here and say one pretty good performance against the Texans is a game changer for me. That's going to spark them coming back. It's the Texans. And we were just talking about the Texans six minutes ago and saying, wow, that offense has no weapons. Mm. Um, Yeah. So I'm not as high on the Vikings. I will say, I will say that, that um, Yannick Ngakwe has been big time for them. Oh, he's been living in the backfield. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think if they can really find a way to, to, figure out that defensive line enough, then it, it kind of negates the the poor play of the secondary. Uh, yeah. I think they have enough talent on the defensive line that they can get that going. And if Kirk Cousins could kind of find a little bit of a rhythm, like they don't, they do not need him to do much because Madison and Dalvin Cook can combine for 150, 175 yards on the ground a game pretty easily. Um, sure. But if you can, if you can get, you know, 65, 70% completion percentage from Kirk, no turnovers, 200 yards passing, like, that, that would be enough, and I think that, you know, like, like they just need him to do enough, and he's getting into that group of where he's buying into that concept. Yeah, um, no doubt. So, so they're, they're a team to watch. And then finally, the Cardinals here, um, team that everybody loved, and I was like, man, if everybody loves this one team, there's a chance that it probably doesn't work out. Uh, and, and I think Kyler Murray is fantastic, and I think he's going to have a long career in the NFL, but – there are still those issues with the offensive line. Um, and I think there's a difference in having playmakers on defense and having an overall good defense. Yeah. And I think that's what we see from the Cardinals because you've got Buda Baker, Patrick Peterson, Chandler Jones, uh, and Isaiah Simmons, playmakers at every single level. But as a whole, that defense isn't top tier, not above. It's, no. it's average, below average. You know, it's, they're not in the category where they should be, um, and they're not doing enough. Yeah. I, I personally liken Isaiah Simmons, and this might be a bit of a premature comparison, uh, but I think he has the potential to kind of burst into this Brian Urlacher type. I mean, Brian Urlacher was a safety in college, and he had the athleticism to play any position really on that defensive uh, side of the ball. Isaiah Simmons is that guy. And that was kind of what everybody loved about him coming out of college. And it was just, and so when Arizona drafted him, when they needed offensive line help with that top pick, it was just like draft an offensive lineman, please. Uh, And instead they go and get Isaiah Simmons, 
it wasn't even people didn't really mind it. You like any other player that they draft aside from an offensive lineman, people are freaking out about it. Mm, yeah. But they get Isaiah Simmons, and it's like no one can really blame you because he is a dynamic playmaker that can be a mainstay in any defense for years to come. Uh, and so I think we're definitely seeing him bloom into that. It's not going to happen four weeks into a career, but he he, he certainly is a nice uh, compliment to that team. Yeah, and, and honestly, like his biggest weakness is is coaching. Like yeah. how will Vance Joseph use him? Um, and no offense to him, but he's not the most creative mind in the world. Well, in his of- diversity and his background, he played cornerback at Colorado, and here he is having the time of his life. I feel like you've made you've made a similar joke when I when I was on the campus cover, something along the lines. I'm pretty sure I said the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like you know, the way he played at Clemson, if they can find a, a similar role uh, to put him in there, um, then he's gonna be really good. But if they just stick him as a, a linebacker for the rest of his career, I, I, I don't know I don't know if it's gonna sell. Um but yeah, so we'll keep moving here.